Hey, it's CK. Let me share with you a text message I sent my best friend two days ago, the evening of Tuesday, the 17th of November, 7.32 in the evening. This is what I sent him. Seriously, mate, my biggest takeaway from this documentary is what little competitive spirit I have. No wonder I'm a failure. Sad, smiley face. I suspect, can I be honest with you? (laughs) I was in two minds whether to read and share that text message with you because it's a little bit defeatist and I'm not convinced referring to yourself as a failure is conducive to a degree of optimism, which I think we should all waft through life carrying in our back pocket. And I thought, well, do you really want that out in the ether that you're calling yourself a failure? And I thought, well, There's two reasons I'm going to go ahead and share that text message with the listeners this week. Reason one, I would venture to say that my relationship with vulnerability isn't the best, you know, as in, so what if you put that out there? What's the big deal? Who cares? And that was the main reason, to be honest with you. But the second reason, which I think has equal merit, is that you have nothing else this week. <laughs> I seem to be saying that every week. And this is something else I was thinking. Like, why do you op- why have you opened the last like two or three episodes signaling the scarcity of content and talking points? I mean, you can do it once and it's fun. It's cute. You can do it twice and it's well, you know, at least it's honest. Three times it gets a little bit grating, stroke, dull and boring. But in the spirit of not giving two shits. If it's boring, so be it. It is what it is. So yeah, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to open it with that. That's what you sent your best mate. It is what it is. And at the very least, you having a more healthy relationship with vulnerability is not going to hurt. And the reason I say a more healthy relationship with vulnerability won't hurt is, I guess, you know how I've been very introspective. Well, generally, I'm a massive thinker. I live in my head. I don't know if you're aware of this. Enneagram number four here. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Enneagrams. What what episode did I start talking about Enneagrams? (laughs) I don't don't want to necessarily go into a massive deep dive on it in this episode, because let's be honest with you, that's all I did in a previous episode. But Enneagrams blew my mind, and it's a way of assessing your character style, your character traits, your behaviours. And honestly, that has been... I don't know, that's been a prevailing thought for me ever since I first mentioned it. And I think it was in episode, was it episode 39 that I talked about Enneagrams? I'm just going through my descriptions now. Um, Oh, it might have been an earlier episode. When did I start talking about Enneagrams? Wow, I'm really struggling here. I can't find it. Female turn off, was it female? It can't have been this far back. It can't have been this episode. No, I can't find it, which is irritating because let's, I'll, I'll, in fact, you know what? I'm just going <laughs> to, at the very least, what this is showing you is that I haven't prepped it. I'm going to pause it, find out what episode it was, come back to you and tell you why this episode might be something of a 
standout episode. Got it. Yeah, thanks for bearing with me. It was episode 40, which was called Disappointed Listener, when I first started talking about the massive impact that Enneagrams had on me. And I assure you, I have continually... Uh, is continually a word? Yeah, con- I've, I've been thinking about it often since then. And do please feel free to check out episode 40. But episode... Um, yeah, that was the one when I spoke about Enneagrams, and I think I'm an Enneagram 4, aren't I? I might even be a 5, I can't remember. That's how much prep I've done for this thing this week. <laughs> but I'm whichever Enneagram lives in their head, and as a direct result of that, I have been thinking a lot recently, like what my failings are, and, you know, one of them is... Yeah, perception and my my let's have a look which one am I? Enneagram, Enneagram, Enneagram. Yeah, I think I'm I think I'm five, aren't I? Yeah, Enneagram five investigator. So yeah. I was thinking, yeah, just put it out there. Tell 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 them that you sent your mate a message saying that you think you're a failure. So I'm gonna come on to that in a little bit. I'm also gonna share with you an email that I received this week which has put me on Cloud nine, and it made me very happy. A senior producer in the BBC, completely out of the blue, sent me an email, and it was a very encouraging, generous email. And I'll talk to you about some free stuff I was given today, which was delightful. But also, before we get onto that, can I just say hi? Because I've just realised it's like, what, three minutes into this, and I've just been chuntering on about egos and enneagrams and pausing it and looking for past episodes and just utter disregard for manners so hi (laughs) on on the positive front though it is 10 minutes past eight thursday the 19th of november and as you know as a returning listener this is early for me and i just wanted to get this recorded in the can early so that i can go and watch a documentary that I've been told to go and check out on Netflix. And I'll tell you about In fact, no, I can tell you about that now. It's um, it's a documentary about Dr. Dre and the guy that created the Beats by Dr. Dre, the headphones. And I've been told that's great. But on the subject of documentaries, let me, let me just tell you why I sent my mate that text message today. So much of my week this week, has involved watching a 10-part documentary that I'm struggling to find a more captivating, compelling, inspiring, uplifting, thought-provoking, moving, comforting, in terms of how it reminded me of when I was at school, a documentary as this one. And it's called The Last Dance, and I have Chris Evans to thank for this, because as you know, I've been listening to his podcast a lot and he referenced he was talking to june saw pong do you remember june saw pong british tv presenter she hosted t4 with dermot o'leary for years um then she's been she she moved over to the states and she's come back and she's something of an activist at the moment so she was a guest on evans's show and, and 
he just referenced this documentary and said that documentary has become the biggest documentary in the world so quickly and it's just blowing everybody's mind. And I thought, what's this? I Googled it. It, based on description alone, I wasn't necessarily thinking, oh God, that's something I have to consume. But Evans was so, he was so, I don't know, he, he complimentary and, and, the, the the way he defined the success of this documentary has had was just intriguing to me. And because I like his podcast so much, I thought, I'd just give it a go. So the documentary is called The Last Dance. And it is telling the story of Michael Jordan in his 1997 to 1998, which were the final years with the Chicago Bulls when they won their sixth championship and they broke all kinds of records. Now, there's a high chance at this point you've switched off and you've thought, oh, I don't give a shit about that, CK. Move on to your next point, please. In truth, was I listening to me saying this right now? I would be thinking exactly the same. And in fact, that's why when I did some Googling around it, I was like, yeah, I'm not bothered about that. Never been a massive basketball fan. My brother, in contrast, loved it as a kid. So it's probably something that I was aware of by proxy through him. But I never had a huge affinity for it. I was aware of the name Michael Jordan, but you know, I was like, yeah, whatever. So I gave it a go put on episode one and within, I would say within like two minutes, I was all in and I don't know why. I just, I was, I was just sucked in very quickly and I don't want to belabor this too much because I'm aware that it's quite a niche talking point to be fair. And all I can say is I've not enjoyed a documentary series and I've not watched that many documentary series to be fair, but this was just stunning. It was incredible and it was 10 episodes, one hour each. Well, you know, 58 minutes, I guess. And it just, just blew my mind. And, I, and I've, I've been having, I won't say I've been having withdrawal symptoms, but what I have been doing ever since I watched the last episode on Tuesday... I've just been consuming so many making of videos on YouTube. It was directed by a multi-Emmy award-winning director called Jason here. And I've just been watching as many videos about the making of this as I possibly can. And I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not necessarily surprised it was remarkable because it featured unseen footage of Michael Jordan and that footage has been in existence for 20 years, but it's been unseen. He's not let anybody see it. And it was 20 year anniversary since um, they, they won their sick title and he decided this was the time. And it's just, it just blew me away. It was remarkable. And it's just impossible. I just, I, just, I just think if you're not a basketball fan, which I 100% am not, there's just something in there that will just connect with you as a human. And it might be some of the softer side things, the family, the passing of his dad, or it might even be some of the more top tier motivational, inspirational things. Like the guy was an absolute focused beast a lot of you know sometimes you get a lot of hyperbole in these things and you get people saying like he's like an alien 
he's not human. That's the kind of thing that would normally turn me off and piss me off. But when you actually hear accounts and you see some of this footage and how he was treating his teammates, sometimes with love, but mostly with an iron glove, when you see someone behaving like that, but you see what he achieved and what he accomplished, what he became, you, you have to start joining the two and thinking, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. Have we as mortals treating everyone with kid gloves, cotton wool, trying to be trying to be liked by everybody, which to be fair, I actually try to exempt myself from that category, but never mind. But you just start looking at it and you think, hang on a minute, are we, all, are we all doing it wrong? Should we all more be adopting this iron fist, hard-edged approach? Because just look what this guy's accomplished. Look what he does on that... F- I was going to say field court. There we go. You can just see how little <laughs> how little awareness I have of basketball. It's a court, CK. But given my given my tenuous relationship with basketball, I was watching these sequences filmed from the, the mid to late 90s and sometimes I went even further back to the 80s and I was just watching what he was doing on that court and I was like, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. I think I've missed a trick, not... not getting into this when my brother was because it was what he was doing on that court was just blowing my mind. And there were several times I just had to rewind it, rewind it and then rewind it again and play it in slow motion. Think, hang on a minute. That's a human being with flesh doing that. I don't understand. I just don't understand. And it honestly, you know, I don't think I've ever used, I've not used the following four words in my life, but I'm going to use them now. It took my breath away. Five words, sorry. <laughs> it was just stunning. And all I can request of you, if my, I don't know, if my tastes or opinion means anything to you, all I can suggest is just give, I don't know, maybe give, give, I won't say give a whole episode ago, give it 20 minutes. Put episode one of The Last Dance on Netflix. Let's be honest, you've not got anything else going on, right? Put episode one on, 20 minutes. If you're not interested, then leave. I think that's reasonable because I was hooked after three minutes. So if you're not hooked by 20 minutes, fine. But I'd be fascinated to know if you, as a non-basketball fan, in the same way I was a non-basketball fan, just find something that just, just sweeps you away with this documentary and yeah, I've been thinking about it a lot. And that's why I sent that message to my brother because Jordan's behavior and his character and his DNA is all about competition. Now, to be fair, everything I've said so far makes you think I don't want to watch the documentary because it's going to be a bell end, but you don't really get, you don't get that. You just get a sense that he has that edge to him because actually he's, he's, staggeringly eloquent and articulate and his and his media awareness is remarkable like how you know i do pr so i probably notice things that the average person wouldn't give two shits about but i was watching his press conferences and how deliberate and how measured and how tactful and how he just speaks without thinking about what his next sentence is going to be but it always comes across as just really well measured and well thought out and intelligent and bright with wit with charm with charisma i don't know if he has that naturally or whether he just had an incredibly proficient media trainer i mean it's probably a combination of both but mostly the former because he is charismatic but his interactions with the press even when he couldn't be asked to talk to them because he was the most famous person in the world was stunning 
And yeah, just so many elements of this documentary just blew my mind. But certainly he was very competitive on the field. He was a beast. Um, not only of what he demanded of himself, but what he demanded of his teammates. And it just got me thinking because it got me thinking about my competitiveness or lack thereof, because I've never been a competitive person. Like what you're doing isn't of any interest to me whatsoever. It never has been. So I was watching this thinking maybe it should be because he wanted to be not only better than you, but he wanted to crush you. <laughs> and again, I'm not doing him any favors. I'm making him sound like an obed, but he's very candid in saying like, I didn't want anybody thinking they had a chance with me. And I just wanted to crush everybody. And again, you've got to that. Okay. In Britain, that isn't that isn't a trait that we regard kindly because we're very softly softly in britain like we're all about the team we're all about you know your peers and support and friendship and all of those things have merit i think it's more in the states where it's all has that single mindedness is very much championed and embraced and celebrated and he just took it to a whole new level. It was obscene. And there was part of me thinking, well, you know, if that's his DNA, that's his trait, and this is what he's accomplished. And he'd accomplished things no one had ever accomplished and arguably never has since. You know, as someone that is Enneagram number five and is very introspective and reflective and thinks on things, I started thinking to myself, well, maybe there's something in that at the end of the day. Um... I don't know. I already feel like I've been talking about this for far too long, to be brutally honest with you. But I just, I'd be, I, I, I can't recommend that documentary highly enough. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. It's one of them things where I suspect I'll be watching that again very soon, and on an ongoing basis moving forward because it was quite remarkable. So that's why I sent my mate that text message. I've just drifted off my point about competitiveness because I've never been competitive necessarily and i think that is mostly because to be competitive you have to compete against someone and to compete against someone you have to be doing a similar thing to somebody else and you have to be into the same stuff but i'm generally not i'm not necessarily into the same stuff as most other people so i'm a bloke right it, i'm trying to think of ways which i could be competitive maybe in sport well i've never been into sport so maybe in gaming i've never been into gaming so <laughs> it's like the shit that I'm into most people aren't so for me to be competitive is difficult now this might be me just trying to explain away the fact that I'm not that competitive but I think there's merit in what I'm saying like I'm not into the same thing as most of the people so but that being said how competitive are you on a scale of one to ten 10 is Michael Jordan. You want to crush everybody who's into the same thing as you. And one is, I can't even remember the last time I looked around or what anybody else is doing. I'm just focused on me and how I can better me and how I can accomplish more than I accomplished yesterday. Because I guess I'm competitive against myself for sure. But against other people, I've just not got that gene as such. And I wonder how competitive are you and in what are you competitive? So what's your 10 score on a scale of one to 10? And do you think competitiveness has merit 
Do you think being excessively competitive is desirable? Or do you think you can be too competitive? If I was to answer those questions, do you think you can be too competitive? Uh, not necessarily. I don't think you can be. It's just I don't have that that through and through I want to shit on you and win you at all costs but having watched this documentary I don't know that that's a bad thing once upon a time I would have said it's not favorable but it's it's this documentary put forward an incredibly persuasive argument for that because Michael Jordan for all intents and purposes is much loved as a human being not that that's the metric to be measured by but you know Stunning, yeah, stunning. I, I have nothing further to say about that documentary other than give 20 minutes of episode one a watch and let me know what you think. So let me tell you what happened today. I thought, you know, what, I'm going to go, I'm going to go down into the city centre of Sheffield. I need to get some toiletries. And on my way back, this is going to be very specific to anyone that lives in Sheffield, anyone that doesn't won't know where I'm talking about, but there's a new little it looks like a pop-up but it's not it's just that they've only opened the front of the shop because i don't want people in it so there's a new coffee shop called cower on division street c-a-w-a and it's next to the sainsbury's on the corner it's just a few shops down from that sainsbury's next to that other big coffee shop called 33 degrees or whatever it's called anyway i just saw this place and i thought well i've not seen that wasn't there the last time i walked past and i was seduced by the array of pastries and donuts and, and cream cakes and stuff. So I thought I'd go and have a look. So I was just stood there, minding my own business. I probably stood about seven feet away from the front of the store. There are a few customers in front of me. There were two men working behind the front of the shop and they just said, hello, mate, you're right. I went, yeah, I'm fine, thanks. Come, and he goes, come closer, come closer, have a look. And I went, all right, fair enough. He was very friendly and I like friendly people. So I'm like, how are you? And he's like, yeah, I'm fine, thanks. How are you? I'm all right. Um, how long have you been here? I said, oh, we've been here for, 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 a, for a couple of weeks now. And then we just started talking. And he said, do you want anything? I went, well, tell me about your mockers. And he went, tell you about our mockers. Um, they're mockers, really. Um, and I said, look, mate, Look, do you do mint mockers? I'm very weird. I'm very unique. And I like mint in my chocolate. Anyway, we don't, but good call. We've got an array of milks, but we don't do anything with mint. But when we open properly, if we ever open properly, then we'll certainly consider. And I went, all right, again. Okay. So tell me about your milks. And he went, we've got oat and almond. I said, which would you recommend? He went, and eh, definitely almond. Then his, his sidekick just popped him on the shoulder and went, oh, by the way, you've got coconut. And I got a semi, I got semi aroused because in lieu of mint and chocolate, I will definitely consider coconut chocolate. I'm like, oh, there you go, mate. Sold. I'll have a coconut. And so then they both started laughing. So then he started preparing my, preparing my mocha, started serving someone else. Then he came back to me and I said, well, tell me about your cruffins. Because he had <laughs> part of the, part of one of the cakes that was available in their huge array of glorious looking things was something called a cruffin, which I've never heard. And he went, well, a cruffin is like a muffin, but the outer casing is like the flaky croissant texture all right that sounds interesting and then our cronuts are like donuts but again with a croissant exterior filled with gooey innards all right that all sounds very interesting so then at this point the guy that's preparing my mocha handed it to the colleague and, the, and and then i could see the guy that was just explaining to me about 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 cruffins and cronuts i could see him putting a pastry into a paper bag but 
I knew it wasn't for any of the customers next to me and I was the only other person there, but I hadn't ordered a pastry. So I thought either he's forgot that I haven't ordered a pastry or he's just going to give me a pastry because we've just had like a little laugh and we get, you know, we just had, we've exchanged nice, warm humanity. So then he gets the mockery, hands it to me and goes, that's for you as well, mate. I've, I've, I've a taste of that. And I just thought, oh, mate, that's so kind of you. Thank you. No, mate, honestly, I, I hope you enjoy it. Um, nice, nice meeting you. And I went, nice meeting you too. Then I went along, and then I went along my way. And it was, it was just one of those just genuine, beautiful moments. It just made me think, I fucking love humans. Mostly I'm all right on my own. Thank you very much. But this is like one of those interactions that just really genuinely, it was just a beautiful thing. And like, I don't know, I don't know how OTT this sounds for me to say someone just gave me like a free pastry and I thought that was a beautiful thing, but I genuinely did. And I was thinking, what a fucking nice guy. What a, what a nice thing that was to do. Um, then I started thinking, okay, so how can I repay this guy? What can I do? What can I do? What can I do? Um, I might have to whip out the old camera. I thought, okay, I'm going to pop down here tomorrow and I'm going to say to him, mate, look, do you remember me from yesterday? He gave me a free, he gave me a free pastry. Yeah, of course. All right. You've got me for the next hour. What do you want? Like, this is literally my playing my head. That's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to go up next to him tomorrow and say, mate, you've got me for an hour. You need, do you need, I'm going to give you an hour of video photography, then you can just use it for your Instagram and your Twitters and your website. Um, then I got home and I checked, I checked their website. And to be honest with you, I suspect they'll snap my hand off because how can I put this delicately? Their, their visual content is not the greatest. <laughs> I mean, like the, the, it definitely, definitely doesn't do justice to, what their food looks like because their cakes and their pastries they all looked immense definitely top tier prices by the way i think like i think their cruffing was like in the upper twos or maybe even three pounds i think they're about three pounds 20 for their cruffins i've got to stop saying cruffin because it's just a bizarre word um so everything looked a-list but their photography is not the best so i'm thinking if you go over and offer them an hour of free content they're probably going to snap your hand off or they might also say mate you know covid we don't want your kind back here thank you very much <laughs> but that's what i'm going to do anyway and um because i was thinking to myself i was thinking to myself when i was having this in a dialogue why do we as humans think it's okay to just take a nice gesture and leave it there like <laughs> It'd be the easiest thing for me to just take that free treat and just go about my day and forget the man exists. But no, I just imagine it. Imagine if we were taught at school that if someone does something nice for you, do it back. Now you're probably thinking, well, we kind of were taught that, but not to any great degree. We were kind of taught if someone does something nice for you, it's nice to reciprocate, but we, but we weren't told it's the law. And I think we should have been. We should have been told if someone does something nice, you have to do something nice for them back. Otherwise, you'll die. <laughs> it should have just been that blunt. Because if you think about all the shit that we were taught at school, I would venture that that has more merit. Imagine if we lived in a world where every time someone does something nice, you had to reciprocate. Otherwise, you'd be imprisoned or you'd die. Like we were going into our teens thinking that was the case. Just imagine the serendipity and joy that we would experience. Think about it for a bit. So, yeah, 
I just, um, I thought I've got to do something. So I thought, yeah, I'm just going to go and give him an hour. I'll give him an hour, give him some content. It That's partly selfish, to be honest, because I've got to admit, when I did photography a lot, there was, I mainly did portraits of humans, but the thing I loved photographing, I love, I always loved photographing food. I loved it. And for purely selfish reasons, I've not done it in years. So that would probably be quite nice, actually. So, yeah, I'm going to go back at some point in the next few days and just rock up and just do some stuff for him for an hour. And um, that will be my way of avoiding death. <laughs> so anyway, if you live in Sheffield, go and give them some of your money and buy some of their stuff. And um, just just do that because you know what why not if you don't live in Sheffield then go and find a cruffin somewhere else now my final talking point for today do you remember episode 42 when I said this so happy birthday bench I hope... Oh, by the way, The Bench is my seven-part series. Do you remember when I said this? Hope one day to release Bench Series 2, different city, different country, who knows. But I also think that that is the one thing I've ever released that has... How can I put this? I think that's the one thing I've ever released that has potential on... It has mainstream potential, whether it's a streamer, whether it's a channel. I don't think as it is, I don't like I don't think you could release the bench on ITV. I don't think you could release the bench on Netflix. I don't think you could release the bench on Amazon Prime, but I think there is an element of it which with a few tweaks and adaptations 100% could. Like a gap There you go. That's that's what I said in episode 42, which was two episodes ago. And I want to take you to i want to take you back a couple of days to this to saturday just gone right i woke up this saturday feeling weird it was just a bizarre weird happiness that i don't like typically have it's not like i normally wake up miserable but i normally just wake up neutral it's like you know you don't wake up skipping out of your bed you just wake up and you do what you got to do and i normally wake up like that but this saturday was very different I went out for a walk and I was just, you know, sometimes you're just looking around and you're just thanking the universe for the fact you have the capacity to walk and you have the capacity to look around and you're looking at the green grass and the tall trees and you're just grateful that you're able to take them all in because, you know, however bad things are, there's always someone worse off. Forgive how trite that sounds. It's something of a platitude, but it's true. And I sometimes have those days every now and again, very rarely, but um, this is one of those days when everything just felt just good and great and I don't it was really weird because as I said normally I'm just neutral so later that day I posted something on Instagram which you might remember and I posted this woke up in an unusually great mood today best of all there's absolutely no reason for it nice to use these moments to remind ourselves that we don't need a reason so something about that day just felt different it felt sweet, it felt nice, and I was just content with the world. Fast forward a few hours, and I received an email, right? Let me look when this email came through, actually. This email 
came through on Saturday. Oh, I've not got the time open. I think it was sometime in the afternoon anyway. That's that's probably all that matters. Came through in the afternoon of that Saturday when I woke up just feeling great. Feeling like the universe was my friend. And this is what it read. Hi, CK. I'm the series producer behind BBC's Is This Coercive Control? Just a quick message to thank you for the analysis and evaluation you gave of the programme when you interviewed Ellie. So, those of you that, you know, hang out on me online will be aware that I did an interview with BBC presenter, journalist, Ellie Flynn after she released a documentary two weeks ago called Is This Coercive Control, which explores emotional abuse within romantic relationships. And I told you that it blew my mind. I've actually had, a, just thinking back on it now, I've had a great month for being moved by documentaries. I, just, I forgot about how much I love that during my talk a moment ago about the Michael Jordan documentary, but is this coercive control as a one-off documentary was remarkable. Probably the best one-off, well, definitely the best one-off documentary I've watched this year. The Michael Jordan, as I mentioned, was a 10-parter. So different beasts. But Ellie, I interviewed her a couple of weeks ago and completely out of the blue, the producer and director of that just reached out to me and emailed me after he watched my interview with Ellie. So, He's thanking me for the comments and how positive I was about the documentary. And then he goes on and says, I first came across you a while back when you were making The Bench, where you engage with people randomly. I really enjoyed that. It's an interesting idea and makes me curious to know more. It had a real edge to it. Then he went on and spoke about other things, but... I was looking at that email a little bit rooted to the spot thinking, hang on a minute. Now, just to give you context, I don't want to give this guy's name, but like, he's not like an assistant. He's not like an assistant producer. He's like, he's the final name that flashes up when the documentary credits conclude. And I'm like, fuck. Then I did a little bit of Googling and reading around the guy and he's like, yeah, I was like, hang on a minute. For this guy, just randomly out of the blue, email you to say, thanks for that great chat with Ellie. And I've, I'm aware of your stuff, by the way, and that thing you did about the that thing you did about the bench. Um, I, I I approve, CK. I approve of the bench. And he's saying that literally within a week of me saying that of everything I've ever made, I feel that the bench is the most TV centric thing I've ever done, and I stand by that. And I remember when I said it in that episode forty. What is it? Forty-two. I remember when I said it in episode forty-two, I was like, "What, what are you saying that for?" It sounds a bit knobheady. It's like, well, it, it is what it is. It's how I feel about it, and I've always felt the bench is the most TV-friendly thing I've ever done. So, for a TV producer to be telling me that was, it was just very bizarre. It was bizarre for a number of reasons, but mainly it was like it was almost not vindicating as such, because you know. I, I think as artists and as humans, we have to, well, I think we have to find our own, what's the word I'm looking for? We have to have our own belief in our own stuff without always necessarily seeking external, external gratification, I suppose. And that's not to undermine how grateful I am. Cause I even I told him this is, this is 
bizarre for you to send me this and I can't tell you how encouraging it is. I was like, I wanted it to be, I wanted him to be very aware that it was super encouraging for him to send me that. But yeah, it was just for that to come the day that I woke up just feeling like everything was swell. It was just, it was almost like I woke up knowing something was waiting for me that day. And I don't want to get too tree huggery. <laughs> I don't want to get too weird about this, but that's just how it felt. It's just because I'd never woken up feeling that way. And I can guarantee you in all the years that I've been creating content, I would argue that this guy's probably the most, what's the best way I can explain it? The most established, successful guy to ever email me for no reason without me emailing them first. Like this isn't, this is like way out of my league normally. Um, so I just, I do, I don't know if the two things were linked and I welcome you to make your own mind up about that. Cause I still don't know. Is it possible to wake up in a different energy because you're about to experience something you never had before? Is that possible? Or am I just, have I been watching too many spiritual videos? <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. And there's an argument for saying you don't have to know and it doesn't matter. Just take it in and you're right. But you know, as I said, I'm a thinker and this kind of shit fascinates me. So it was just such a nice email to receive. It was incredibly encouraging. It was weirdly timed given the week before I'd said that the bench is the most mainstream thing I've ever made with a few adjustments. It's not ready to go completely. It'd have to be adjusted, but yeah, for him to say that out of the blue was was glorious. So I took that opportunity. <laughs> I'm going to conclude this entire podcast because it's a short one this week. I'm going to com- conclude the podcast with what I sent back, a little passage that I sent back, actually, because maybe in light of me acknowledging how uncompetitive I am, I thought, Do you know what? Maybe there's room for you to be competitive in this one and actually compete with yourself in a way that you wouldn't normally do it. So I thought, how many times are you going to get a BBC producer emailing you saying, I enjoy your stuff? Hi. How many times is that going to happen? And I'm like, well, probably not ever. So you might as well just use this opportunity. So I'm just going to read a little bit, a little passage from what I sent him back. Um, I'll just read this passage. So I sent him back after telling him what I said. If Stacey Dooley, who's a, if you don't know Stacey Dooley, it's just Google her name, please. If Stacey Dooley is unable to present the next series, the next um, documentary in this series, I demand you at least let me screen test. Do I have your word? (laughs) He's like, you know what? I was happy to send in that bit of cheekiness because the majority that was that accounted for like ten percent of what else I emailed him, just thanking him for his comments and just telling him why that documentary connected with me. So I thought, you know what, there has to be some self-serving element in this. You're not going to get another opportunity like this. Throw it right in the ring. Let him know that if you need to present, at least just give me a screen test, mate. If I'm dog shit, fine. So I was very happy with that, and that was me recognizing that you know you've not been competitive over the years. So maybe just you know pop pop your um pop 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 you pop your towel in the ring or is it hat in the ring it's hat in the ring isn't it i was gonna say something a bit crass then but i thought no let's have a crass free episode <laughs> nobody wants to hear about you popping your little willy in the ring which is what you're gonna say zk nobody's interested keep it clean which i 
seemingly haven't done by sharing. So that's what I sent. That's the email. That's the episode. And I guess all I have to request from you this week is check out The Last Dance on Netflix. 20 minutes of episode one. Let me know what you think. And if you encounter, in fact, no, not if you encounter kindness this week, give something back. Maybe just do something for no reason this week to someone that you want to do something pleasing for. That's going to be what I'm going to be taking for this week. I'm going to try and just for no reason, just give someone a cruffin. <laughs> I don't know. No homework this week, really. Maybe just check out 10 minutes of that documentary. Hope it moves you. Hope you have a good week and you and I will speak in a bit. Oh, before I go, I just remembered I, <laughs> you know what, this entire episode has been the most unplanned one I've done in the series, but I just wanted to record it quickly this week and then get back into watching some great documentaries on Netflix. But I mentioned at the top of this episode, I sent my message to my mate saying, no wonder I'm a failure and I don't want you to worry. I'm not feeling like suicidal or anything. Me and my best mate have the most banter-ridden relationship. If you, Most people, when they hang out with me and my mate, G, they think we're weird because we spend like 98.7% of our lives taking the piss out of each other. And it is just the way we talk. So I sent him a message saying I'm a failure, hopefully expecting him to return with something along the lines of, mate i've i've thought that for a while at least now you acknowledge it and i can be you, you can you know what ck let's just focus on making you less of a loser rather than focusing on how much of a loser you are so that's the kind of relationship we have case in point he sent me a message this week with how can i put this delicate okay let's just say um a a mm, actually i've not thought about this it's a delicate um it's 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 a it's a delicate ailment. It's a delicate ailment. Let's put it that way. And he called me with that mildly concerned, and he prefaced the entire conversation with CK. Listen, I know you and I banter a lot, but this is really worrying me, and I just need to tell you about this. And I'm in deadly serious, and I just burst out laughing. He didn't even tell me what the problem was. I just burst out laughing. He's like, "No, CK, seriously, I'm I mean it. This is really important, and I just couldn't stop laughing." <laughs> Then he started laughing. Then he told me what the problem was, and I was still laughing, even though I said, "Mate, that's not a big. This not a big deal." So listen, I'm telling you this purely because I just remembered that I haven't even explained why I sent my mate a message calling myself a failure. Um, it was mostly tongue in cheek, but that being said, I definitely think that there's room for me to up my competitive spirit that is unquestionable right i definitely think there's room for that so um it was tongue-in-cheek but laced with a modicum of truth as well so yeah that's why i said the failure thing i don't think i'm a failure um but i think my mate's problem was dog shit 